Hello, everyone. This is Patriot Underground here. Now, before we start the show, I just want to say a quick word on behalf of Patriot Underground Gold and PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. You folks have heard me talk a lot about rolling over your 401k and your IRA into precious metals. We all know that the dollar is on its way out. De-dollarization is here. The BRICs are spearheading this effort. Now is the time to make these moves, folks. Click the link in the description and my team will contact you and explain how easy it is. And this will be the best financial decision you've ever made. I am not a financial analyst myself, but quite frankly, you don't have to be to see the direction that things are going in the world. We have a narrow opportunity to protect and secure the wealth that we've earned our entire lives. It's time to de-dollarize yourself and put your savings into precious metals. It's a no-brainer, folks. Click the link in the description, like I said, and you will be happy you did. All right, everybody, enjoy the show. Patriot out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is October 30th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So today, it is my pleasure to welcome my good friend Brad Olson back to the show. It's been a little while since we had a conversation, but for those folks out there who have been listening for a while, you'll know that Brad and I, we kind of go back a ways now. You were, in fact, I think the second guest that I had on my platform after I had Gene Decode, and then I reached out to Brad Olson, and he said, yes, he'd come on my show. So I was like on a roll. And uh, you know, Brad and I, we really, uh, we hit it off. We have a you know really great rapport. And uh, as folks can tell, I'm doing things a little bit differently now. I've got the camera on finally. So I thought that uh, a Brad Olson interview would be a good way to kind of break myself in, uh, introduce my face to the world, I suppose. Uh, but uh, for those people out there who don't know anything about Brad Olson, if you're new to the movement, and I, I know that I'm probably only talking to a fraction of my audience right now. Most of you know Brad very well, but for those of you who don't, uh, he is an author. He is a publisher. He is a world traveler. He's a researcher. He's an explorer. He is a visionary. The guy is a really cool dude. And I'm telling you, he writes some amazing books. This book right here, which he frequently uh, pops up on the screen. This is the one that Brad uh, sent to me, actually autographed it for me. And folks can see, I mean, I read through this book. I got it marked up. I got a whole bunch of different pages telling you this is required reading, folks. So he has a whole series of books um, on the esoteric, basically the esoteric subject. Beyond Esoteric is the latest edition. I know that Brad is actually working on a fourth edition. I don't know how you know how much progress you've made since the last time we spoke, but I'm curious to hear about that. And certainly, I'm going to be uh, first in line to get a copy of that when it comes out. But Brad is a really great guy. It's an honor to have you on my platform. So thank you for joining us and welcome back. Well, hey, Patriot, it's always great to talk to you. And now to finally see your face. Yeah, the man behind the legend. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... I don't know. It's funny because I, mean, I know your voice so well. And I, I often thought, well, how am I going to recognize him if he comes to a conference or something? But now uh, now yeah, you're I letting us all see him. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's something different. Uh, I actually, um, you know, I'll just mention really quickly and then we'll we'll, we'll proceed. But I, I actually uh, did a, a coffee chat yesterday. This is mainly for my audience. And I, I couldn't get it up on Rumble. So I, I posted the link to Locals. Uh, so folks may not have seen that. I'm not really sure what happened with that. But yeah, I, I, I attempted to do this uh, yesterday. I think some of my audience actually was introduced to me. But uh, I suppose, you know, everyone else who listens to my channel, uh, here I am. This is me. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, OK, so let's let's talk a little bit here. I mean, I know when we were um, setting this interview up, you had sent me an email talking about a conference that you participated in. I believe it was in Orlando, if I remember correctly. Yep. And 
you talked a lot. You, you mentioned um, something about the, uh, the 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 COVID nineteen by actually uttering that word. There's a thought form uh, that is associated with that. So I thought maybe we could start there. And I'm actually curious. In addition to that, you know, what was the conference like? Just in terms of like the general vibe of the people. I mean, I'm in a really optimistic place right now. We're going to talk about a, a lot of issues right now, yeah. and certainly we're in a we're in a very critical phase, but I'm very optimistic. I think that, uh, you know, I think a lot of my audiences were also very battle fatigued. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, what was the general vibe at the conference? So let's start there. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a great conference it's called Galactic and Spiritual Informers Connection, which is just last weekend in Orlando, Florida. We even got uh, Alex Collier out of retirement and he had some very amazing things to say. He's the Andromedian contactee, has been his whole life since he was a little kid. And he's in constant contact with them. And one of the big reveals from Alex Collier was that in late 19, or I'm sorry, 2021, they had finished the cleanup of all the malevolent ETs, or at least the really bad ones that uh, were affecting human history. This is a real important milestone because now for the very first time, humans are in charge of human affairs, that the the high-end globalists who have used some of this uh, malevolent ET as a backup uh, or shadowing as it's called. So for me, it, it made perfect sense when somebody makes the deal with the devil, the Faustian bargain, and they get everything they, they hope for, fame, fortune, and all that goes with it. But that's what selling the soul to the devil is. And in my book, Future Esoteric, in the uh, conclusion, I make the comparison that what if these reptilian, uh, basically controllers, of humanity were really the devil and Satan all along that this was this bloodlust and need for child sacrifice and so forth. And the humans were just going along with it. And these humans, I call them cutouts as uh, in, in my books that they were the ones that were yeah, mainly benefiting from working with these entities. So for the very first time now, these globalists are extremely exposed and nor do they have this uh, fourth dimensional backup, this shadowing since uh, 2021. So we're only going on uh, less than two years. So the humans now are in charge of the surface planet for the most part. There is a very big conflict going in behind the scenes, but now it's it's mainly humans on humans. So that was really interesting that uh, we got that revelation. That was also backed up by some of the other speakers there who also have knowledge, and Elena Dinan, who speaks with Thorhan, and others who uh, have messages from Valiant Thor and other very human-like ETs. You'd never even know. You could walk down the street and see them, and you'd never guess that they were indeed 12-strand uh, DNA extraterrestrials. But their psi abilities, their psychic capacity is much, much higher than ours. And that's why the the globalists had this backup and it was very successful in controlling the rest of the human population. So that was one of the big uh, takeaways from it. And we also had Dr. Christina Northrup 
speaking at the conference this year. She was incredible doing a whole bunch of information, updated information about the jabs and so forth, and how that whole cover-up is now starting to crumble too. So it was in front of about 750 people. It was a very large audience crowd. It was just one speaker at a time. They bring me in as the uh, intrepid traveler that's been to Antarctica. And I did my uh, talk about the maps of Antarctica that showed the continent down there centuries before it was discovered in 1821. So that's kind of interesting to see how people envisioned Antarctica or copied it off of older source maps. And then I also show all the uh, megaliths and polygonal architecture around the world, including underwater archaeology, which I'm going to make an entire presentation for next year. So making the case that there was a very big, uh, at one time, advanced civilization that left behind these polygonal architectures and some of the uh, evidence is still there in the uh, old maps from the age of exploration. So that was that that was that great conference. That's Got awesome. A couple That's more awesome. coming up next year. I'll be at uh, Conscious Life Expo just confirmed and I'm also speaking at the uh, MUFON Symposium, the big uh, biggest UFO gathering. That'll be in front of 600 or so people in Irvine, Texas in uh, July of next year. So Wow. Keeping the conference scene going. And one of these days, Patriot, we got to get you up on the stage and presenting. You know so much about all this stuff, too. Well, I, you know, I know about it from from learning from people like yourself. You know, I'm I'm actually I'm a researcher. I mean, I don't consider myself to be an expert in any way. Now, I am curious, though, the the egregore, uh, the, the the thought form. I'm not sure if, if um, I missed that in, in the in the course of, um, you know, what you were talking about there in your response. So can you can you hone in on that a little bit more and just kind of tell us what that's all about because i think sure. that's very interesting yeah i didn't didn't touch on that yet so basically an egregore is it's an occult egregore, term sorry. for a thought form that's created only in the minds of humans so when people feed into uh, something a false direction say for example many of the false flags create an egregore that we all think it was 19 hijackers on 9-11, for example. And that creates a thought form. But when people start to see through this, then it breaks down and it just goes poof, it goes away. So what was really interesting at this conference and others like it was defining what COVID-19 really means. We always think it means this virus that came out of China uh, and became this worldwide epidemic. But what it really stands for, it's an acronym that is Certification of Vaccination Identification, C-O-V-I-D. And the 19 is using a little gematria, is putting a number to the letter. So mm -hmm. one is A, and nine is I. <laughs> so COVID-19 <laughs> really means the Vax passport, which is run through AI. I okay. So the idea is is that every that by saying COVID over and over and over again, that's right. That we're in essence, kind of manifesting that reality, the certificate of vaccine identification, and of course the year that it all rolled out. Really, it kind of hit us and 
like March of 2020. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that going into the next election cycle uh, a little bit later in, in the interview tonight. But it certainly seems to me that Okay, so it was, it was certificate of vaccine identification and then the 19, but then the AI going along with it. So that's in essence, if I'm understanding this correctly, by getting the, the masses to really kind of unwittingly, of course, because most people out there have no idea. I actually heard about this uh, a while back. I, you know, you, you kind of jogged my memory about that. Actually, I, I had heard about this a while ago, but I hadn't really uh, put it in the context that we're putting it into now, which is by saying that over and over and repeating that phrase over and over and over, what we've come to learn, and you've probably known this for a long time, but certainly for me, this is relatively new information over the past few years, that we manifest our reality by speaking it into existence. So is that is that the kind of the direction that they were trying to go with this, with their, you know, I don't know if you'd call it predictive programming or if it kind of like more nuanced but the idea was, in essence, to kind of ingrain that in into our consciousness and have that manifest the reality that the cabal wanted. Is that right? Well, that's right. And, and it's very occultic in nature. So they invert something that we all think means one thing. But by repeating it, let's say we go to the office and we're talking by the water cooler at break. Me and Patriot Underground and said, oh, did you hear that Brenda caught COVID-19? Oh, well, she better go get her COVID-19 shot. All the while, while saying that, we're building this egregore, which is then something completely different. It's building the thought form that we're all going to need vaccine passports, and it's going to be run by AI. So they're doing, it. it is a version of predictive programming, but it's kind of more on this occultic level where they're getting us to build the constructs of our own imprisonment. It's very clever in design, but of course, it's an inversion of the truth. It's everything but the truth to get us to think that what we're talking about is what they think they want us to think we're talking about. But of course, we're creating this egregore, this thought form that then uh, populates itself in the minds of people and stays alive. It is kind of like a life form in that sense that it takes a life of its own, the more people think about it and talk about it, it stays alive. So now that it's breaking down and we know what the Vax Passport was all about, in fact, the Luciferase, which uh, <clears throat> interestingly was talked about at this conference, shows up when you're going through an international uh, checkpoint where they were starting to do the Vax Passports. And there were stories of people who said, oh, yeah, well, here's my passport. It's right here on paper. Check it out or on my cell phone. And they'll pull the person aside and said, um, we know that that's fake. Why? Because they didn't have this purplish glow that went through a certain kind of uh, checkpoint where they it's called the loose forays. What a funny name to give to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And once again, like the Lucius Trust at the U.N. Right. It's yeah. awfully strange, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this, this was the Lucifer uh, Prince, but they, they toned it down a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just like Lucifer's, yeah, they can't be too obvious with it. But the Vatican does have a telescope called, it's an acronym, Lucifer, in uh, Arizona. <laughs> so they're yep. kind of straight out with it. Oh, yeah, they don't really hold anything back, right? Well, you know, it's, no. what's interesting about this conversation, I think, and this this specific angle that we're, we're exploring right now is that we know uh, – that the cabal always employs this predictive program. They always have to tell us what they what they're doing. 
It's a part of their, yeah. their it's, and I'm sure you could speak on this, but it's a part of their occult belief. It's a part of their belief right. that they have to tell you, in, in essence, to sort of offset the karma. I know like, um, you know, Wano Savin has talked a lot about this. I've heard a lot of uh, people sort of discuss this concept in theory that they believe that by telling you, even if they cloak it in deception, that they're still telling you. And you're just not, you know, you're not at an elevated consciousness. You can't really fully understand what they're telling you. They're cloaking it in deception, but they're still telling you. And so they believe that's sort of like their loophole, their karmic loophole. And there's also the what occurred to me as you were talking is that it goes even deeper than that as well, because the cabal being the Satanists that they are, the reptilians, that they're they're cut off in all of their different manifestations. I know that there are many, many more, but they're cut off from source. And because they're cut off from source, what I what I call God, um, they don't have the ability to manifest reality. They need us to do it for them. They need right. why they they there's such an attempt, a constant fixation on the mass consciousness of humanity because they're dependent upon that consciousness, which our thought forms actually and in, in our in our what we verbalize and what we think about becomes our reality. So if they can infuse that into our consciousness. I mean, the COVID-19 example is a perfect one that they can manifest that reality because they don't have that ability being cut off, being essentially fallen as they are. Is that is that That's your right. understanding as well? Yeah, very much so. And just to only expand upon that is there are laws in the universe as they pertain to a civilization such as ours, which is coming into our own that uh, we're an advancing civilization just like out of the tv series star trek that there is this prime directive that you're not allowed to interfere with a free will planet and you have free will i have free will all your listeners have free will they can turn off this interview right now or they can listen in and probably realize that uh, we have been hoodwinked all along but you see there's this revelation of the method, they call it in occultic terms, that they have to show you what they're doing. And they do it in various ways through the media, through music, even on billboards and toys and products. There is the revelation of the method, which is basically, we're doing this to you. And if you're too stupid to figure it out, well, then you get what you deserve. That's their thinking. And if we don't figure this out, if we don't see through the revelation, the method, then we get what's coming to us. That's how they believe it. And that's actually the workaround of a free will planet, because then they could say, well, we were trying to inform them and we're doing our best to tell them. But uh, most didn't hear or see our veiled messages. And so that's why when you understand, because these globalists are so deeply into the occult and have been for centuries, and I published books on this by Leo Lyonzagami, who we had on the show, and uh, Lon Milo Duquette did the uh, Key to Solomon's Key. It's all about how they have done this to humanity. So to see it for what it really is, is very liberating and it puts you in a good position to understand what's coming down the pike, what they're going to try to do to us next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Let's kind of, I mean, let's let's pivot from there and let's kind of get into some of the, you know, the recent events and we can kind of look at it through that lens because I think it's important. Yeah. Everything that we're going to be analyzing, I think, from this point forward in the show is, is it's important to sort of analyze it through that lens. What we're really talking about here is the ascension process. 
the ability yeah. to be able to see what they're actually telling us and actually be able to realize that it's not deception, that it is in fact truth and that they have been fooling us. They have been hoodwinking us, as you put it, for this entire time, that for centuries they've been doing this. And they've been, so on the one hand, they're saying, well, you know, our karmic loophole is we're telling you about it and you're too stupid to figure it out. But on the other hand, and this is, of course, why, you know, you, you mentioned Elena Denon, you mentioned sort of the, you know, a lot of the folks out there were very, very much in, uh, in tracking the the esoteric, uh, not the esoteric, but the uh, the exopolitical factors of this war that are, you know, that's what got the the alliance, the, the, the Galactic Federation involved to begin with, because the, yes, they were telling us. But they were also they also had us enslaved for thousands and thousands of years, and they had our their 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 boots on our throat and and really our their boots on our consciousness, preventing us from being able to unify, to be able to come together, be able to have access to information and the truth. So it, on the one hand, they're saying, "Well, you're too stupid to figure it out." But on the other hand, they're they've set up this entire matrix that has prevented humanity ultimately from ascending on schedule. And my understanding was, is that originally the plan had been that we were, we were to ascend back in the sixties, back in, you know, in the era of JFK. And that of course all, all got derailed with his assassination that gave birth to the modern iteration of the Q operation and so forth. So I think it's important to kind of, you know, just lay that out as a foundation, but let's sort of pivot into what's been going on uh, on the surface here. I've been really excited because over the past few days, I'm sure you probably heard about this, Trump's legal team announced, they came out and announced that I believe his uh, January 6th trial begins in March of 2024. And they said that they are going to be presenting classified documents going back to 2016 to prove election fraud. And this actually, you know, it harkened me back to a couple of months ago. I don't know if you saw Josh Reed's podcast. He did an excellent podcast that he called the Trump card. And it was so yep. good that I actually, and I do this periodically, is when I see something really good, I I, I say to myself, all right, I got to do a show on that. I got to, you know, break that down for my audience. And and I and I ended up doing it because I I think he laid it out brilliantly. The idea is essentially that the entire January sixth case, it revolves around whether or not election fraud actually exists, or whether or not it's a conspiracy theory. It can't be. It can't be one or the other. And, you know, in essence, of course, the deep state, the media, the mainstream media, the establishment has been trying to convince everybody for a long time that this is a fiction. And really, the charges that they're attempting to pin on Trump. And, you know, not the frivolous ones having to do with Stormy Daniels and all of this nonsense and, you know, but but the real the real meat and potatoes trial is the January 6th trial, you know, trying to incite yeah. an insurrection, trying to, you know, in essence, commit treason. Basically, they're projecting their crimes onto Trump, but it all revolves around whether or not the election was stolen. And by the way, this trial is going to be live streamed. The entire right. world is going to be watching this. Right. So I and I don't think that that's you know, I don't think that's a coincidence or an accident that this trial is going to be the one that's that's going to be live streamed. And I happen to think that. You know, you go back to Trump's first term, executive order 13848, executive order 13818, all of the legal framework that he put in place for this military sting operation. I, I also happen to believe that Trump ultimately was, well, I mean, he's come out and told us that he was invited to run. You know, in essence, that the military placed him there, that he is the face. I mean, he, yes, he's he was the president, but really, in reality, he was the face of a counter coup. Right. And so 
and eventually we all knew that if in fact this was true, that the military had been monitoring all the elections, and by the way, even the mainstream media admits that that's true, that the military yeah. was overseeing all of this. So if this is true, and he put all of these, you know, these uh, executive orders in place, and he set up all of the parameters, legally speaking, to be able to catch them in the act, sooner or later that information's got to come out. And when I saw the announcement that classified documentation was going to be presented, in essence, to prove that election fraud took place, I got, you know, my ears perked up immediately and I thought, okay, all right, this this could be really big. Now, I also think that this is going to be, we talked about it being in March of 2024. Right. And we know that this is, of course, going into an election year. We just talked about COVID. And I, you know, I kind of alluded to that, that, you know, we're, we're going into the same cycle, right? So Trump's trial is going to start in the beginning of March. That's exactly, if you go back to 2020, that's when they hit us with the COVID. That's when they, you know, they rolled out the whole pandemic and, and all of this stuff. So I think that this is going to be the escalation trigger. That's kind of the theory that I'm working with right now to set up all of the false flags that we know are coming. We know that they stole, what was it? 30,000 tons of ammonium nitrate that went missing off of that train from California. We know that they've been painting a target on the backs of patriots, the DOJ, ever since fake Biden came into office, has basically told us that the two biggest threats that we face are climate change and MAGA patriots, basically. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what they've been telling us. So yeah. I think that this is going to be the real, the tr like I said, the trigger for all of this escalation that we've been expecting. Could it be an Internet shutdown? Could it be a grid blackout? Could it be, you know, an EMP? Could it be a a second pandemic? Could it be a nuclear standoff, a Cuban missile crisis type situation? Could it be the alien invasion card that they're going to pull? I mean, there's a lot or of all the above. Here, right? <laughs> so, you know, but whatever they do, I think we can agree that it has to be big enough to be able yeah. to offset the, the enormous seismic impact of Trump live streaming all of this evidence that's directly from the military proving that the election was, in fact, stolen, and that he is actually the president. Right. So I think this is going to lead us to the EBS. I think that this has to happen before the next election cycle, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, don't forget about World War III. Nothing like oh, gonna uh, get major we're gonna war. Get yeah, to uh, forget about the news cycle and focus on that. And we already see the, the setup for that. Another thing that was happening around the time of the conference, Patriot, was a lot of people were... Um, talking about what's going on in Israel and Gaza. And of course, it's a tragedy on both sides. Any loss of life is terrible. Not picking sides at all here, but I've got friends around the world, including several in Israel. There's a journalist in Haifa that we communicate with quite a bit. And she was uh, sending me some information that uh, the Israelis are, are up in arms. Israel could very well become a civil war because so many people are seeing what the globalists are up to. And it happens to be that many of them live in Israel. There's Rothschild Boulevard right in the middle of Tel Aviv. And the Rothschilds paid for the Supreme Court building with the seeing eye pyramid in the middle of it. I mean, this is the, the occult symbolism is just rife all over the place. And the Israelis are knowing it. So this friend of mine has said that uh, the defections from the military are very high. They realize there's no way Hamas could have just cut their way through the most secured border fence in the world and flown over. In fact, there were stories of uh, having to stand down those who were posted there that morning. And 
So I'm at gunpoint. This really hits home close to me, Patriot, because I also event produce a big street fair in San Francisco called the How Weird. We just did it two and a half weeks ago. And uh, one of my Jewish uh, DJ friends came up to me and said, you have no idea how close this was. He was supposed to be playing with his partner the morning that that happened. And it just so turns out that those two were were kind of going through a breakup and had to cancel. The guy who was playing the DJ that morning when it all came in and they came in in a very coordinated fashion and cut the music off and captured a lot of people who are still prisoners and killed a whole lot more. I mean, it was absolute tragedy to, to think about in that way. But that that border is so secure they know when a mouse crosses the border. They know when a butterfly flies across the border. Rain so to think that they were just caught yeah. off guard is mm -hmm. just nonsense. But I'm just telling you this from the Israeli perspective of those who understand what's really going on. And they know it's a setup. They know that uh, just like Albert Pike, and I have that quote in Beyond Esoteric where he predicted all three of the world wars and World War Three is meant to be the Jews against the Arabs, and it basically annihilates the whole region. You could see them wanting to do that. And then they also have this thing about their own predictive programming with uh, the biblical apocalypse. This Gog and Magog are going to have the ultimate battle, and it's going to end in flames. I like the meme that says, uh, these globalists would rather just burn down and destroy the planet than release Epstein's client list, because <laughs> we still haven't seen that, right? But yep. just to, just to go back to the election, it's so it's such a desperate shot that they're trying to get Trump on this January sixth, and and they're the prosecution is saying that he knew he lost the election, but he's just saying it. Well, why would he say it? Why would he even say it unless he has this evidence that they're going to bring forth next March? So we're coming into probably the most intense year in modern human history. This lead up to the 2024 presidential election in November, just a little over a year from now, we are going to see fireworks like you've never seen before. History is going to be written on things that are happening and not happening. And I hope World War III never happens. And isn't it interesting that this uh, long awaited ground assault into Gaza has not happened? And some of the other talk at the conference I was just at was that there are higher higher benevolent ETs that definitely want to uh, make this a non-event. And they're saying, even Cobra, the Victory of the Light, writes about it and says that they haven't done the long-awaited incursion because they're interceding on behalf uh, and just putting them off, putting them off. Of course, they're still bombing the crap out of it, but uh, let's just hope cooler heads prevail and this never really happens. And I would love to see a ceasefire and, and find a way that they could work this out between the Israelis and the Gaza because war is never the answer, but we know the globalists want to push it because that's their get out of jail free card. If they can get us to go into World War III, who's going to think about all the crimes and Epstein's list that they've been hiding from us this whole time? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to I want to you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Israel and Hamas. And, you know, you, you touched upon it a little bit here, but, you know, just to kind of, you know, talk a little bit more about what we're going to be looking at in the year ahead. And, you know, I've been talking about 
I mean, it became pretty obvious to me that at a certain point earlier this year, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, kind of, I, I, I took a, a deep breath. I looked at the world and I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot of things that are in play right now. And there are a lot of things that still have to play out. It seems like before we get to the EBS point, you know, to the point where, you know, we start to see everything really just, just hyper escalate. I mean, we've been watching things escalate pretty, pretty dramatically. I think we can, we can agree over the past couple of years. I mean, we're talking about news and events that quite frankly, you know, five, six years ago, I never would imagine in my lifetime that we would have seen. And yet compared to what we're going to witness, I don't think we've seen anything yet compared, you know, I think when, like you said, when history is finally written, um, I think 2024 is going to be the pivotal year. And yeah. I've said for for quite some time that, you know, it's it's always been my contention, and that, of course not just me, but uh, many many truthers out there in the Patriot community that the whole Q operation, regardless of how you view it, regardless of you know the complexities of it, if you can acknowledge that the White Hats exist and you can acknowledge that there is a, a force of good, regardless of how you want to contextualize it, and there's a million different uh, complexities, there's a million different variables that we could debate all day long. But I think everybody listening to this show right now is here because they believe that the White Hats exist. They believe that there is a military alliance. They believe that Trump was, in fact, invited to run by this, this military alliance that's been battling this evil and really, in essence, holding this evil back as bad as it's gotten. But they've been holding it back for decades that I think that all of us can agree that that that, that is, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes, because if, if it's not, then we've got we've got some real problems. If, if, if uh, you know, there really aren't white hats behind the scenes, you know, battling it out. But I think that, it, you know, it's always been my contention that there has to at a certain point, there has to be. Uh, so I don't want to call it a finish line, but there has to be a point where you, you really can't go beyond. And right. given what we've been through over these past you know 3 plus years with fake biden and and of course leading up to that with with everything that's that's happened in recent history and given how divided the country was in in 2020 i don't think we're as divided as we were at that point but at a certain stage you have to say the white hats if you do exist you got to play your card you got to come out of the shadows you've got to right. to make your move because i think that if we go into another election cycle and we don't see the ebs and we don't see you know overt military intervention and we see another stolen election, then, you know, the conversation becomes very, very different. And I think that, that there are going to be a lot of let's just say that I think it's probably going to devolve into civil war at that point. I feel like people are going to mm. feel as if they've got no choice but to really sort of abandon this whole idea of, you know, the, the, the military coming in to save the day and basically start digging in and preparing to defend themselves. Now, I don't, I've never believed that we're going to go down that road, but I've also been realistic enough to say that. That's that's always a possibility. And I think a wise person always prepares for, you know, any sort of contingencies. But the point that I'm getting at here and I'm really driving at is that I think that we have to see the EBS prior to November of 2024, hopefully much, much sooner than November of 2024. I mean, hopefully, you know, in a year from now, we won't be having the same kind of conversation. Um, do you. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you think that we, that that's ultimately where we're headed? Do you think that this is going to be a lot more drawn out, a lot longer process? Do you think it's going to stretch on for years like some folks are talking about? I personally don't believe that uh, because I think once you go down that road and once you start talking about states seceding, once you start getting, you know, 
uh, average citizens involved in, in active kinetic fighting that you really can't put that cat back in the bag. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I think that they've got to make their move. And this is yeah. this is really the pivotal year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, a couple things, and we can do a little prediction on our own, what's going to happen here in the coming year, because the globalists know that if they can't rig this election and Trump can get back in, that's certainly game over. He's already said it several times that this is what he wants to do. So he will make his big move and present his evidence in March. But I've heard it said by Trump uh, supporters and also those in the military intelligence, including Michael Jaco, that they don't really want to do the over EBS with uh, 10 days of darkness kind of thing that that would be too much of a shock, that that it would really disrupt commerce and probably do a lot more harm. And if it were in conjunction with, say, a, a blackout scenario, EMP attack, that it would really do a lot more harm than good. Yeah. So I think they're making every move possible right now to do sort of a limited version of the emergency broadcast system. But I agree with you. It has to happen, and it has to happen before... Uh, this next election in a year, because as we've spoken with Kerry Cassidy and, and our big uh, gripe against the White Hats is that they're still operating in secrecy. So if we're fighting against that uh, lack of transparency in the mainstream, but we're doing it ourselves with the White Hats, well, doesn't that make us almost as bad as they are? So there has to be this uh, coming to God moment, so to speak, to to basically show the world that the white hats exist, that they have been working behind the scenes all this time. And some say it goes all the way back, not just to JFK, but, and of course his uh, grave site in Arlington national cemetery is in the shape of a Q mm -hmm. that's right. And all that, but it could go all the way back to uh, Lincoln, who was the first to try to uh, create a currency that the, uh, the globalists had nothing to do with. And isn't it interesting? Kennedy was doing the same thing with his red billed treasury notes that came out, executive order 11110 to create a currency outside the Federal Reserve. But boy, these globalists, especially this Rothschild uh, money making machine, they are so good at always squirming their way out of it. But again, I think it has to do with their backup, their fourth dimensional backup through the malevolent ETs, which are the ones that are really in control. As I say in many of my interviews, don't don't focus on the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. They're merely the captains and the colonels. The real generals were these malevolent ETs. So if we were to take what uh, Alex Collier says, that they have been removed from the planet not even necessarily being killed unless they were showing signs of violence and it was self-defense to shoot them down. But they're just basically being plucked out of these underground bases where they mostly operate and just being sent far, far away, just put on another planet where they can't come back and do no good. And the whole idea, and this is the whole concept of a, a free will world such as ours, this emerging civilization uh, with the prime directive that we will set our own agenda, that we will be what the humans are supposed to be. And that's why, this is what they're also saying at this conference, this is the greatest show in the universe right now. There is so much attention right now 
watching us and that we are what uh, is considered an Ur planet, UR planet. And there's only eight of ours in the entire Milky Way galaxy. That we're a very rare case where you have an emerging civilization that has high tech now, that is getting ready to become a member of the space age. And we still have all these problems that are going on on the planet. So the big question in everyone's mind in the galactic community is how is Earth going to get through this? How are we going to resolve it without direct intervention, which the benevolent ETs cannot do because of their version of the prime directive, but they can help us. They can observe us and some would say even telepathically communicate and give us some directive on how to do this. This is why World War III hasn't blown up and, and probably why you and I are not in a FEMA camp or dead by now. So there is good behind the scenes that is allowing this conversation to happen. Mm -hmm. And this is what is going to change the world because the pen is mightier than the sword, Patriot. We all know that. So our ability to communicate and transfer these messages, including in memes, I saw a great little meme. It's like a multi-trillion dollar industry just shut down with a meme. And that's how easy it is because the truth will always set you free. The truth is a constant in the universe. It can be wrapped up in lies and lips on a lipstick on a pig, but it will always remain the truth. So it's our quest now to unravel all that has been put on this pillar of truth and just see the world for what it really is. And that's why it's such an amazing time to be alive right now. I couldn't agree more. I absolutely couldn't. You know, you brought up our mutual friend, Carrie Cassidy, and, you know, I, I love her to death, you know, and she, she's got, you know, she's got cojones the size of, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, you know, it's, it's just amazing. You know, a lot of people criticize Carrie, but I have to say that, you know, she is, she's voicing, I think what a lot of people are thinking uh, what a lot of people are, are saying, indeed, but I think sometimes in some cases, what a lot of people are afraid to say, uh, you know, in essence, criticizing the White House strategy. And I, I've always been a little bit cautious in that regard. I mean, there have been times when, you know, I've I've gone down that road and I've really become critical of, you know, their their approach. But and I, and I completely see Kerry's point, you know, and ultimately, you know, let me let me just say, I mean, let's let's not forget. I just said that they have to make their move. I mean, this can't go on forever. This can't just be a right. perpetual cycle of putting people through this site, you know, this, this, uh, you know, expectations not being met with reality. And then, you know, in essence, trying to convince us that everything around us isn't, you know, it's not really happening. It's all a pantomime. And ev eventually that's all that construct is going to fall apart if the white hats don't actually make their move. But one of the things that I've, you know, really reflected on and, and that's kind of you know, gotten me to respect, I think, a little bit more of the strategy the White Hats have taken. I mean, you, you, you know, you brought up the history of the Q operation going all the way back to Lincoln, you know, and I was, you know, in essence saying, you know, like the more modern iteration of the Q operation started after, you know, they, they assassinated Kennedy. And it's very interesting because when you look at JFK and the approach that he took, like you, like you said, I mean, he was very overtly, I mean, he was right out there. I mean, he was, you know, executive order 11110, putting a stop to the Fed, saying that he was going to shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces or a million pieces. I can't remember what the quote was exactly, but he took the approach of being very open and basically going directly at the cabal and yep. trying to take them on head on. 
And I think that that in I think his history is going to show, in essence, that that was the moment, you know, after his assassination. Of course, there are a lot of people out there who think he wasn't really assassinated. I've never really bought into that, you know, that he didn't really die that day. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I've never really bought into that narrative. I've always believed that he he was, in fact, assassinated. He did. He died. And yeah. And that and then in, in essence, that that the the generals, the White Hats that, you know, that that we speak of today, realized that they had to take a different approach because if they if they tried to go at this enemy they they vastly underestimated the capability of this enemy and to go directly at them would be a mistake and so when you it's interesting when you look at the approach of JFK versus the approach of Donald Trump Trump has taken this entire covert approach. And I'm gonna, you know, touch upon that in a little bit. I mean, obviously it's caused a lot of consternation. It's caused a lot of anger in the community his approach to the vaccine. And really we, we've been talking about Israel. A lot of people are really pissed off that he's, you know, saying, oh, we got to side with Israel, like appearing basically to, you know, buy into this whole Zionist ideology, right? For optical purposes is my view, but I'm gonna get your 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 take on that in a minute. But Back to, you know, criticizing the white hat tactics, I think that there's something to be said for the covert strategy that they had to adopt in order. I mean, if we think about all of the operations that are in play right now, going into the dumps, liberating the children, mm -hmm. liberate, you know, getting, you know, liberating the adrenochrome harvesting farms, the, 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 uh, the baby farms, the, I mean, it's just unspeakable evil that goes on down there. Would they have been able to have these operations, these underground operations, would they be, have been able to effectively engage the deep state if they took the overt approach? My contention is probably not. My contention is that this whole covert cloak and dagger strategy that all of us are sick of, myself included, don't get me wrong, but I think that it favors the White Hats in terms of their military tactics, because I don't believe had they gone directly at them I think that that would have played into the hand of the enemy. Now, yeah. there's certainly a debate to be had. And at this point in time, I think Kerry makes a really good point in the sense that in many ways, the cabal, we've seen them defanged. We've seen a lot of their power taken away over these past few years. We know that they still have quite a bit, but certainly they've lost a lot of power. But I would suggest that back in 2020, they wanted Trump to sign the Insurrection Act. They wanted a direct confrontation between patriots between trump supporters and the rest of the country they wanted a civil war that's exactly what they were aiming at that's what january right. 6th was all about and of course to you know hide the fact that they were basically certifying a stolen fraudulent election and to create a distraction around that but in essence really that's what january 6th was all about they were trying to prompt us and bait us into into a civil war we didn't take the bait trump knew that right. we weren't going to take the bait and certainly we've been through hell over these past few years. Let's 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 be honest about that. But when you think about it, if he had signed the Insurrection Act, what would have then transpired in back in 2020? I I think we probably would have spiraled into civil war at that point. At this point, maybe not. And and that's where I kind of really respect what Kerry is saying. Like, look, I think now the time has come where you guys have to come out of the shadows. And you know, that's yeah. in essence what I'm saying is that yes. There's there's sort of two sides to that coin. I think that their strategy, you know, in engaging in this underground war in order to engage in these highly sensitive operations that require the fog of war, that require all of this secrecy, um, they had to go this route. 
Now, do you agree with that? Or do you think that uh, they should have just come out guns blazing back in 2020? I mean, everybody wanted the Marines to storm in on Inauguration Day and arrest them all. I mean, do you think that that would have been a mistake? Because I mean, that's that's my general take. But I'm curious to hear your opinion on that. Well, first of all, the Biden inauguration, you can see all the inconsistencies. It was not filmed on the steps of the Capitol. There are people there in one scene and then they go back to the same scene and that person's gone. They got different shoes on. It, it was all scripted. It was all the CIA is basically taken over control of the media, of this narrative that we're said to believe this this false matrix of reality. And they're very, very good at it. That's the green screen. That's uh, the, all the different versions of Biden that are coming out. He's probably not even really alive anymore. That's the depth of how bad the real one is definitely not alive. Continue. I mean, it's, it's, it's blatantly obvious. I mean, you can yeah. just. Yeah. OK, good. See the actors and so forth. Yes. But the, that's what we're up against is we're up against this this uh, media machine. Look, in uh, the early 1970s. President Richard Nixon said at the time, they knew the American people would not believe anything until they saw it on television. So you control the airwaves and you control a huge percentage of the population in this country and by effect the rest of the world. So they're going to keep on doing this uh, pretendency as long as they can, but they know there's an election coming up. So what's the next best thing is to once again hijack it. So watch for Plandemic 2.0. Why? Because then they can have the mail-in ballots. And we all saw what a scam that was with uh, 29 mules and all the documentaries and evidence about that. But to your point on why the White Hats haven't made their big move, well, look, we haven't entered civil war. We are not going brother against brother on the streets. And that's a good thing. So to me, that's also indication that the course they are taking is the correct path, which is to minimize the collateral damage. We don't want people fighting in the street. And so if it's going to take this much longer, but we know that the end date is certainly coming up, which is a little over a year from now with the next presidential election, that both sides are doing a little art of war by Sun Tzu. And that is you want to get your... Uh, opponent to expose themselves, to show their game plan so you can outmaneuver. I mean, these, these are the oldest tricks in the book and both sides are following the same playbook. Yep. So who, it's like playing chicken, who's gonna jump first? And whoever jumps first, then there's a contingency plan to go along with the next step of things. But since time keeps marching on and we haven't seen the overt return of Trump that, He's still operating behind the scenes. He's not dead yet, and he's running a campaign. So there is hope out there that uh, we're going to see this get restored. And look, America is the last beacon in the world. If we go down, there is not a country that can stand up to this cabal, not a single one. And mainly it's because of the Second Amendment. So you're going to see more false flags with these lone nut shooters who get away on jet skis like up in Maine. I mean, come on. The storyline is just getting ridiculous. Yeah. But the thing is now, Patriot, we can see through these false flags in a day or two, yeah. which would take 9-11, for example, took me a couple of years to figure that one out. But now with Lahaina and the Dew attack and uh, other ones, even the Gaza incursion, you know, within a day, that would never have been allowed to happen. You it know, was it, it's allowed amazing. to happen. 
it's amazing to me, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know, you brought up 9-11. Nobody even knew what a false flag was back then. And now it's a household term. You know, we've been like, I was just talking to Jim Willie and he was saying, you know, we even have an abbreviation. It's FF now. And everybody knows what FF means, you know? So that just kind of shows you as a barometer, how far we've come because, you know, in the days of 9-11, I mean, we were all, you know, we were all just completely, well, not all of us. I mean, a lot of, some people knew what were going, what was going on, but they were like, I mean, I remember thinking back and when that happened to myself that, you know, the, the, the people like who were, who were trying to claim that the official narrative wasn't true. I mean, I, I was at a point, I was completely brainwashed back then. I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit it. I think all of us, we didn't know uh, the way this enemy operated. And like you pointed out, I mean, so much of this, you know, ties back into the the whole concept of ascension, the idea that they've been able to, to keep this stranglehold on us, not necessarily because of the cabal in terms of the, the manifestations of the cabal that we see, like you said, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, you know, uh, you know, the Vatican and, you know, the black nobility. I mean, we could go on and on and in and, and the committee of 300. I mean, you could speak on this all day long in terms of right. the different groups, but it's not these, th- these aren't really the people, people that are in control, right? It's, it's these, these entities, these off planet entities. And like you said, their fourth dimensional hold on us has been broken. And Alex Collier talked about that. So this all ties together. The fact yep. that we're able to see through this paradigm and we're able to, I mean, you know, I don't know how many people, but I mean, look, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more about Israel. I might as well mention it. I know, you know, this, but in the Jerusalem post, a mainstream media poll came out and said that 86% of Israelis believe that this was essentially a stand down order an abandoned post stand down order. And like you pointed out, because they know the Israeli people know better than anybody in the world Yep. They have the best surveillance equipment that, I mean, really, I mean, it's it's the highest tech in the world. Not a grain of rice can pass across that border without them being able to, de- to detect it. We've got all of these right. stories about IDF soldiers being forcibly removed from their posts, stand down orders taking place. They have the most heavily fortified borders in the world. And so let's just say nine out of 10 Israelis, they recognize that and they they can tell that there's no way that that Hamas was able to circumvent that. Absolutely right. no way. And so that's just yet another barometer of consciousness. And it's it it shows you the 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 overall trajectory that humanity is headed, that that most of us can see through this paradigm. And even people out there who aren't listening to shows like this yet, right? There, I mean, because I don't think that nine out of ten people in Israel are tuned into to to programs like this at this point, but clearly they're moving in that direction. Clearly, they're seeing that the government is lying to them. Clearly, they know that Benjamin Netanyahu is extremely unpopular. He was one of the biggest pushers of the jab. It caused massive destruction in Israel. He's also under investigation for bribery, for corruption, for all of these different things. Like you pointed out, Israel's been on the verge of revolution, of civil war. And of course, now they're they're, they're arming, which I think is very interesting. They're arming the the population in Israel. It seems to be the Israeli government that's doing that, which is very interesting um, in light of the fact that they've kind of been on the verge, on the cusp of civil war. Of course, they're putting it in the context of, well, we need to protect ourselves against these, you know, against Hamas. But really, is that what's, is that what's actually going on behind the scenes? But one way or another, the awakening has occurred. And there's really no, there's no holding it back now. And I, th- I think that no matter what the enemy does at this point, it's going to backfire on them. 
I really, I absolutely do. I mean, when you've got nine out of 10 people in a country that can identify that their own government was responsible for leading yeah. them into war, and then of course, subsequently trying to drag the entire war, the world into war to fulfill this yeah. you know, Albert Pike prophecy, it's not as if they're not aware of this. And, you know, the reality is, is that nobody wants this. You know, your average person across the world, whether they're American and whether they're Israeli, whether they're Palestinian, no matter where they live, they don't want world war. They don't want to go in this direction. I think most people don't. And so I think it's very indicative of the overall trajectory of this awakening and where humanity is headed. And, and the fact that we are actually being able to see through this, this fourth, because I, I think it, it lends credence to a lot of what you were saying. And Alex Collier was talking about how the malevolent e ETs really met their demise uh, on yeah. this planet back in, in, what was it, 2021. And since then, really, it's kind of been like an intergalactic show that they're all watching. It's like they're all sitting there in their spaceships in, uh, you know, as Gene Deco says, in like stealth mode. And they're all up there basically like watching the Super Bowl, watching humanity yeah. do this out. And, and we're in the final phases. Without us destroying the planet. See, that's that's also the big caveat here is that we don't want civil war in Israel. We don't want civil war in this country. We don't want World War III. We don't want loss of life. That's really the White Hat's uh, higher road here is they're taking the high road and saying, let's try to do everything we possibly can before anybody takes up arms. And if you think about it, that is the ethical way to do it. That is the proper way to do it. And it might take longer for us to uh, get the truth, but it will come out as it always does. You can only dress it up for so long before it just falls away. And just like how people are understanding false flags. Yeah, that that was originally all the way back in the age of piracy, where the pirates would have a flag of, say, a, a ship. They'd spot the other ship's flag and put up a British flag so they could get close enough to shoot cannon at it and, and raid the ship. So it's a tactic that's been around for centuries. Now it's taken a new turn with the CIA controlling the media, the Mockingbird media. and uh, But also, they're also counting on how short of our memory we have because they know when the news cycle changes, we just forget the stories. And as Jim Willie pointed out, oh, we funded Hamas. Isn't that interesting? So did Israel. We created the enemy to do exactly what they did. So when they had to play the World War III card, they would do it. And now we're seeing it happen in real time. But we have the numbers, Patriot. That is our biggest protection. And that's where we're going to win this thing because the revolution is consciousness. The revolution is just the people waking up, not complying to Plandemic 2.0, whenever they roll that out, you know, they got plans for it. And just saying, hey, we will not comply. Do not engage. I'm not part of that. The and when enough people do that, that's great. That's the revolution. And that's how we win this thing without a shot being fired. That's a great T-shirt idea right there. The revolution. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and, and you know, the other thing that, that I just was uh, reminded of as you were speaking is that it's it's been very well documented that Hamas was ultimately created by Mossad and the Israeli government. And yeah. the, the whole idea was to fulfill this this prophecy, this idea of World War III emanating from Israel, having to do directly with Iran. And I want to talk a little bit about Iran in a moment, but th this was the entire game plan that they had to, even Netanyahu came out and admitted 
and this is mainstream. You can go and look this up. Go look up like Netanyahu uh, created Hamas or something along those lines. You'll see yep. articles about it where he outright said that in order to derail Abbas and this whole moderate movement toward Palestinian statehood, they funded and I mean, they created, but they also funded Hamas and they elevated them to the organizational level where they could sit down and have negotiations with them. In essence, basically to to make sure that Hamas was well funded so that the chaos could continue. It was all a part of this strategy of divide and conquer. And it actually reminds me of a term that you've talked about, uh, which is the strategy of tension. And we've, we've yeah. talked about this in the past in the context of, you know, the fifth gen attacks that we've been uh, subjected to. I mean, obviously, there was the, the the main shooting recently. There was I don't know if you I mean, you know much about this situation in Acapulco that's getting a lot of yeah. attention now. People are starting to say, wait a second. How is it that 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 went from like, I think it was a category one or two. And then all of a sudden within tropical storm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then all of a sudden category five in record time and the scientists are baffled. They don't understand how this happened. (laughs) You know, and it's like, I mean, this, it just couldn't be more obvious at this point. Um, And so, you know, this is, this is, I, I, I think I kind of got a little bit uh, away from Israel there for a second, but it's all about creating this environment where war is a constant. That, that's what they needed in the Middle East. They, that's why we had ISIS. That's why we had all of these different groups that were funded by the three-letter agencies in conjunction with one another, Mossad, MI6, CIA, all the, the, the usual suspects are really controlling these groups so that war, which is very profitable and keeps the, the military industrial complex, which in essence is the cabal coffers, it keeps those coffers uh, you know, full. That's, that's in essence what they did. So I think it's very important to understand that. And, and again, this is also something that the, the the people are wise to, specifically in Israel, and you know, yeah. there's just there's no escaping that. Now, what is your what's your take? And I I think I kind of alluded to this a little while ago. What's your take on Trump's stance on this whole situation? Because you know he's we've learned I think throughout this process that in order to really understand what Trump is saying, you, you can't just take it at face value. That he's always kind yeah. of communicating. He's saying things behind the scenes. He's He's truthing things and all, you know, there's, there's a, a myriad of different ways that he's delivering comms to us. But on the surface, just like with the with the jab, he appears to be just siding with Israel, you know, taking that whole, um, you know, that 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 I, we have to support Israel's right to defend itself. You know, that that same old tired yeah. line that we've heard over and over and over appearing to be siding with Netanyahu and with the Zionists. And ultimately, I think that everyone in this audience would probably agree that they're the enemy. Okay, they're not the only enemy. And by the way, I think it's also important to once again, every time we're in the context of talking about this, I I always feel compelled to mention that it's not the real Jewish people that are the enemy. The Zionists, it's the Satanists, it's the Khazars that are the real enemy. It's not the real Jewish people. But be that as it may, Trump is out there and, you know, he's he was just at the uh, it was like the Republican Jewish Convention or something like that yesterday. He was making. Yeah, right. So he was making all of these statements and I'm looking through Telegram and I'm seeing a bunch of puke emojis. Right. Because people are just, you know, like, what are you talking about? So, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, I have my take. I think I think I know what Trump is up to. But what, what are your thoughts on it? 
we'll just remember Trump has, first of all, never been prosecuted. He is the Teflon Don. He's going to get out of this. Just when you think he's down, he's going to flip the script and come out smelling like roses again. So I'm, I'm not too worried about the trial in March. In fact, if anything, he's going to turn it on the cabal once again and just expose them more. But just keep in mind, during the Trump presidency, he did a couple of things that were very controversial. One was he moved the embassy, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv up to Jerusalem. And I've been to Israel a couple of times. It's a beautiful, fascinating country. It's small, but boy, it's just packed with history. The city of Jerusalem is like nothing else in the world. Uh, sacred place to all the Abrahamic religions. And so to move the U.S. embassy up there was was a big shock to a lot of people, including those in the Muslim world, that he would do that. But also keep in mind, at the same time, the Q post during Trump's presidency was, we're going to save Israel for last. So it makes perfect sense that he would do the deflection. Hey, look over there, but don't look here. I don't know if you saw a recent trip Biden made to Israel and he, they're going down the line shaking hands. None of the top officials would shake hands with the fake Biden. Yeah, yeah. So you can see where this is uh, starting to change dramatically. And Trump has also said, had I been president, this Gaza thing would have never happened and we would have diverted it. And he's probably right. But at the same time, this is another problem reaction solution. I think they were just holding the uh, arrow in the quiver till they had to use it at the last moment, just like the financial collapse will be the last, one of the last cards the cabal plays because once they play it and they ruin the economy, well, that was always their cash cow. They kind of needed mm -hmm. to keep that going to uh, finance their operations and they're going broke right now. So that's the other thing. Why they needed another war because Ukraine is exactly. drying. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So as far as, uh, uh, Trump goes moving the embassy. I think that was actually a brilliant move, although at the time it was very inflammatory for the Arab world to see that uh, he was siding so closely with Israel. And of course, Jerusalem is a very contested city. It still has uh, access to the West Bank, so Muslims can go to the um, to the Holy uh, Temple on the Mount and. Jews have their wailing wall and there's a Christian quarter where uh, yep. the, the church of the sepulcher, where the cave where Christ rose, as well as Calvary Hill is now in, in memorialized within a church. And here's the other thing that's really weird. You never really realize this till you go and see it inside the church of the sepulcher are several different religions and they hate each other too. So it's like, you can't even get along even in a, a, a Christian faith building, uh, there's the Orthodox on one side and then the Catholics on the other, and they just don't get along still to this day. So it's very interesting to see how these very old traditions are also coming to an end. It's it's kind of this grinding halt where the screech is just so deafening, but you see it coming and you know it has to happen. And these institutions will come crashing down. And that's another reason why it's such a great time to be alive is just to, to witness it all happening. But saving Israel for last, that's what this conflict, I think, is all about. And when the Israeli people, and this is going to have to rest on their shoulders, when they realize it's this cabal, they're right here in Israel. They're the one doing this. 
when they rise up and say that and start surrounding the houses and really getting them to stand down, then we will see some changes. And I hope it happens without uh, bloodshed. Absolutely. And it can be I done think, that way too. I agree. And I think that if it, I, I absolutely agree with that assessment that it has to be the Israeli people that rise yeah. up against their own. And I think that this is a pattern that we're seeing. It's already playing out in other countries throughout the world. We haven't talked about Africa, but certainly in, you know, in like in, in Myanmar, we saw it happen. We saw it happen in, uh, in Niger. We saw it happen in Gabon and other countries. And I, I do believe that that really is the formula is an internal revolution and an internal coup. And, and quite honestly, I mean, I think that if that happens in Israel, that really will kind of settle the whole you know, anti-Semitic question, because if the if their own people rise up and they say, wait a second, we have a satanic enemy here that's taken our name and that's doing all of these things for centuries. They've used our name as a shield and they've created this entire you know, paradigm where you're not allowed to criticize Jews and anything you say is anti-Semitic and this and that. If they're the ones that take the charge. And it's yeah. not an outside for because what what the cabal wants is they like we said, they want to generate the third world war was all about decimating the Islamic religion. And in essence, you know, using the West to and, and by the way, stealing trillions of dollars, all of their land, all of their resources and using the West to do it. And in the process, depleting the West of all of its resources and all of its morale and basically sucking the lifeblood out of all the people. So then the, the cabal could ride in. And they could say, all right, problem, reaction, solution. Here, we got a solution for you. It's called the New World Order, right? Right. That's that's in essence what they wanted. But if this goes in a different direction, which I do believe, and I've been saying for quite some time, that I believe it's going to be, that's the pattern we're going to see play out more and more and more, that it's not going to be nation state versus, versus nation state. Yes, we're going to see some kinetic battles, some confrontations, some maybe some regional war and bloodshed. It's unavoidable in certain theaters of this war, but in terms of the entire world going to war with one another, which we wouldn't come back from. I mean, World War II was bad enough. World War III with the weapons we have. And I think that mm. was really kind of the, the whole selling point of the of the Q alliance, the military alliance to say, listen, not only is this going to end with mutually assured destruction, there's literally zero chance that even though, you know, China has a massive military, North Korea, they have, you know, Iran, there's a lot of countries out there have very powerful militaries, but the United States is in possession of weapons that make nuclear weapons look like firecrackers in comparison. And I think that was also a part of the, you know, the way they pitched this. They said, listen, we got to go in a different direction here, because if this goes toward global conflagration, that's it. It's over for humanity. And, and I don't believe that that's ultimately where we're headed. You know, you also talked about I've been to I've been to Israel myself. It was years ago, but I was also I, I was in old Jerusalem, the old city. And it struck me as well that, you know, because. At that point in time, it was I think this was around like 2010, 2011. I wasn't even awake yet. And, you know, I, I, I still was kind of brainwashing this idea of thinking that, you know, that the Jews and, and Arabs and, you know, Jews and uh, Israelis, Palestinians, they can't coexist and this whole idea. And then I went to old Jerusalem. And like you said, there's a there's a Christian quarter, there's a Muslim quarter, there's, and then there's the Jewish quarter. And everybody is just there coexisting in peace. And I remember it striking me as being like, wow, that's amazing, you know, that, that that that's actually possible. And I think that that, you know, in essence, really is kind of the way that most of humanity operates. We want to we have our differences, but we want to coexist. We don't want war. We don't want this. This has all been a cabal construct. And I think that that that's this 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 endless war is like Trump calls it. It's all been a cabal construct. We've all been sucked into this thinking that we are each other's enemy. 
And that I think that there is a gradual realization of, of who the real enemy is. And the other thing that struck me too is, you know, we're talking about Israel being saved for last. There was another Q post, I believe it was, uh, I want to say 2337, if I remember correctly, that started to get circulated once again, you know, once this whole thing broke out, which I, I can't quote it directly, but it, it said something about like Israel, Israeli intelligence stand down. And it had, uh, you know, a, 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 it was like a five-year delta to when it actually began. And then it also said that the mainstream, it, it alluded to the mainstream media being taken down as well at, 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 as, yep. as the result of this uh, of this whole situation popping off. So I think that, you know, once again, this is really just, you know, proof positive that we are in the final stages of this of this battle. Now, I wanted to get your take on um, a little bit on what could possibly happen with Iran, because I was talking, you know, to Jim Willie about this very recently, and he called Iran the wild card, um, and he made a, a lot of really good points. Amongst which, um, amongst several points that he made, I could never really recreate Jim Willie. He's, he's truly one of a kind. But you know, he pointed out that Ayatollah Khomeini, Langley asset. He was put in place, in essence, to divide the Middle East to try to fulfill this prophecy of of, of uh, Israel being attacked, you know, and, and basically having World War Three emanate. Uh, from from that region of the world. But he also said that Iran, behind the scenes, his contention is that they're largely aligned with China. And China is is a very complicated question. I've been saying, I've been postulating for a long time that I believe that Xi Jinping is a white hat. Uh, I do believe that he is working with Trump and with Putin as what Willie calls the TPX triumvirate. Um, the fact that I mean, if for, no, if for no other reason, the fact that Trump was invited to the Forbidden City for the first time in all of history. And then, of course, we always we, we remember Putin handing the soccer ball to Trump, saying the ball is in your court, Mr. President. You yeah. know, like, it, there's a lot of evidence to support this. And so he was, in essence, saying that he doesn't believe that that Iran is going to take the bait and it, it, that, that a big part of what's happening here also you know, ties into the whole BRICS de-dollarization movement. So you've got you know, obviously BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, but Iran yeah. is a major player as are Saudi Arabia and the UAE and several other Middle Eastern countries. And that they were all prior to this, you know, this, uh, this false flag attack by, by Hamas, they were basically putting aside their differences. They were aligning on economic development. They, you know, they, they worked together to stop the Yemen war from, yeah. from, from uh, blowing up. And in addition to that, I mean, they were basically on the same page of this this whole concept of de-dollarization, of, of basically putting the king dollar out to pasture once and for all. And now all of a sudden with this whole conflagration we have in the Middle East, it, it seems like that unity is being threatened. So that could be a major aspect of a part of the deep state. They always have multiple different objectives when they go operational. And part of that, I do believe, was financial in nature to try to disrupt this freight train that basically is the BRICS de-dollarization movement. Um, and of course, you know, now that that Israel has become kinetic, we're hearing reports. Actually, I just saw today there were some reports of skirmishes between Iranian-backed proxy forces and Saudi Arabian military. And Saudi mm. Arabia's military is now on high alert. So you can see that this is exactly what the deep state wanted. They want to create that division, to create that divide. But I happen to think that this is not going to go again in the direction that they think it is. I think that we're going to see regional 
you know, we're going to see these skirmishes. We're going to see a lot of saber rattling, but I don't think we're going to see Iran get directly involved against Israel because that's the one thing. I, mean, I do agree with him. That is the wild card. If Iran and the U.S. go to war, that could really complicate things. And it doesn't seem to be consistent as far as my view of the whole strategy of where we're headed. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, Iran is becoming the superpower of the region, and that's a direct threat to Israel as well. Jim Willie even says that India, who is very much always siding with Western policies, is being replaced with the letter I in Iran. So if Iran is part of the BRICS in one of the five-letter nations, that's a big problem to Israel because now you see the balance of power starting to shift. And as you said, Saudi Arabia has backed off of Yemen. They're bringing peace to the area. Now Turkey and Erdogan are saying that they will side with the Palestinians if Israel rolls the tanks in. So you can see that there are big power plays that are happening right now and people taking sides. Israel, of course, always has to depend on American support. If America was not going to support Israel, all of their enemies would just glom on and, and jump in and it'd probably be over in seven days. So just the, the fear of America jumping into this wider war is probably what's keeping a lot of these countries at bay. And of course, Hezbollah, which is operating largely out of Lebanon, right on the border of Israel, they're sort of a sleeper cell waiting to happen. They're much bigger than Hamas and they could really inflict quite a bit of damage. And of course, we don't want to see that happen at all. But uh, when you were talking about Israel and, and the uh, Jerusalem, you mentioned the, the quarters. Well, quarters are in four pieces. You mentioned the um, the Islamic quarter, the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter. The fourth quarter is Armenian. And I always thought that's very curious. What's this tiny little country in the Caucasus region doing with a whole quarter in Israel? Well, ancient Khazaria, that was part of them. So that I think that's always been the foothold uh, to that part of the world with Jerusalem. And that's why they wanted to be there so bad, because we know most Ashkenazi Jews are from more central Asia than just about anywhere else. So uh, the, the Sephardic Jews, the 15%, they're the only ones with ties to that region. But when you factor in the Armenian quarter and this Khazarian mafia, it kind of makes a lot of sense hmm. that they would have this connection with that part of the world. Ah. And so, and that's not too far away from Iran either. So you kind of have uh, the, the Ukraine war up here, everything in the middle, and then Iran, uh, Israel down in the bottom. And uh, it seems like they want to get everybody taking a side and jumping in on this. But Israel is too small of a country to hold off a larger war. And now we see with Russia and their uh, supersonic missiles that can't be shot down. I mean, th this could go kinetic real fast. Mm. So I think the Israelis, and part of the reason why so many are are uh, defecting out of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, is because they know this is we're going to get slaughtered here. So if we just defect and the army feels we don't have the manpower to do this, Maybe that's what happens, and this whole thing can uh, end with a truce fire and, and some kind of peace accord. And look, Israel does have a right to exist, and I've been there, and I have really great friends there. And But you can't tit for tat with this, right? You can't 
oh, well, we're going to come down overwhelmingly on Gaza and blow it back to the Stone Age. That's not the solution here. Sure, it was terrible what happened, but uh, okay, both sides have gotten their licks in. Why don't we call it a day and try to work something out here? But your question about Iran as this uh, emerging superpower in the region, well, that that is a big deal to Israel. And I think that's part of the reason why things are escalating as quickly as they are, because they see that Iran will eventually take over economically, and that will uh, upset the balance of power as far as they're concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you know, you make a really good point there. Maybe part of the, I mean, you got Netanyahu's out there and he's saying, you know, this, you know, the, there's not going to be a ceasefire. This is going to be a long war. I mean, he's basically just, you know, war hawking this whole thing. Uh, and, you know, talking about the biblical prophecies being f- fulfilled and we're the children of light and they're the children of darkness, basically saying that, you know, in essence, you know, giving, giving the, the IDF a license to just go in there and commit genocide. And the whole world is watching right now. And, you know, the reality of the matter is that if they do roll in there with tanks and they, you know, completely decimate that region, I mean, I I don't see any way that these other countries don't get involved. And so right. that's kind of leads me to believe that, you know, that the restraint that we've seen up until this point, I'm hoping that that holds out. And really, I'm also hoping that you, you talked about the defection of the IDF. And I also mentioned, you know, the arming of the Israeli population. I'm hoping that what we see is an internal revolt uh, that we see some sort of a coup mm. against Netanyahu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that would solve this problem very nicely. And I certainly hope that that's the direction that we're moving in. And we know, like we've already talked about, that the, the stage was already set for that. The, the fertile in Israel is is ripe for it, like we've talked about. I mean, nine out of 10 people believe that this whole thing was, was fabricated. There was a false flag. So hopefully yeah. it goes in that direction. All right. So I've got one other question. I actually have several others, but we've been on now for, I think, about an hour and a half. So I'm going to hit you with one more. And this kind of is, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit on your book here. Yeah. Uh, and this also ties into uh, what what Jim and I were talking about recently with the underground wars. And, you know, he was talking about, I don't know if you listened to the interview, but he was talking about how in uh, in Long Beach, uh, specifically, he also mentioned like the the border of Quebec and, and Maine, but he, he really talked about Southern California Um and the the eyewitness reports of these military transport vehicles at like three o'clock in the morning, taking special forces to the port in Long Beach and then going to pick up more. Uh, and then, of course, all of these large explosions that are being uh, reported as earthquakes and all of this stuff. So the idea, of course, is that, you know, the underground war still rages on. This is still very much uh, actively, actively a, a hot war. But what I wanted to ask you about was when he when he mentioned, you know, he said to me, he goes, all right, we're, we're fighting the CCP, we're fighting the cartel soldiers, and then he said, you want to have a guess on what the third group is? And I said, non-terrestrials, and he said, cyborgs. Mm. And I was like, immediately, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be talking to Brad pretty soon, so I'm going to ask him about this, because I know that you've written about this in your book. I, I can't remember if you had, you know, how much of your book was dedicated to it, but I remember reading about that exact topic in your book. You know, Kerry Cassidy actually says that Elon Musk is a cyborg. Um, and so, you know, according to Jim, these these cyborgs are were made in China. And my suspicion is, is that they probably the technology probably, you know, leaked out from our military by way of Hillary Rodham Clinton and her whole secret server where she was selling state secrets to the CCP. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. But uh, I think there's certainly something there. But I wanted to ask you to, you know, kind of uh, school us a little bit, educate us a little on 
you know, cyborgs and, and what your research, what you found out in your research about cyborgs, and certainly you can speak to the underground war as well. Sure. Well, of course, cyborgs, cybernetic beings that is uh, using technology, transhumanism to create a super soldier that would give you an advantage in war. There was reports of these cyborgs fighting in Ukraine, that the Russians were shooting them and shooting them and shooting. They just wouldn't go down. So if you think about it, it would be in the best interest of a military to explore these possibilities, to use this kind of technology in such a way to enhance their fighters, give them longevity on the battlefield, more stamina, and also be able to, to take more uh, fire than a normal human being could do. So it's not out of the realm of inconceivable. I just want people to understand that, nor is the idea of a clone out of the realm of inconceivable. Look, we had the news stories in the 1980s of Dolly the sheep being cloned. That technology is there. It's perfected. And it is also in humans now, too. So we could we could have the debate about whether many of these uh, politicians have doppelgangers or clones or lookalikes. It, it's not really important here because the super soldier program does exist and they are working on many of these programs. In fact, we have a lot of super soldiers that come to these conferences and speak and the stories they will tell about the programs they have to go through and the training and and even sometimes the uh, uh, MK Ultra mind control to put them in a state where they can have little empathy for their enemy and and also to uh, take their commands. That that's one thing about MK Ultra is they want you to just blindly accept an order and go and do it, no matter how vicious it might be. So it's it's also dehumanizing to create these cyborg. Uh, type soldiers, but people that have gone through these programs are now getting out of it, often with a lot of uh, counseling and and therapy to to work through it because they're still humans after all. But uh, the possibility that they're entering the battlefield is a very real possibility. So warfare has now taken a new stage by using these kind of soldiers, and how that's going to affect the current conflicts will still remain to be seen, but I just want your audience to understand that technology is definitely there, has been there for decades. And if this is going into the underground warfare state, and of course you've had Gene Decode on many times talking about the 10 kilometer down earthquakes that we see around the world, including in Antarctica uh, about a year and a half ago, it was very interesting that it would be that 2021 date when this whole network got taken down because it really is going to come down to uh, clearing out Antarctica. That's been basically the safe haven for a long time. And they took out the uh, the tubes, the maglev tubes that can travel at Mach 2 speed. So you could get down to Antarctica within a day in this network. But Gene Decode was pointing out that and uh, the islands outside of the Palmer Peninsula, the area where I went down five years ago, and it is very volcanically active and um, there is a proclivity for earthquakes as there are in any earthquake region, but to take out the tubes that led to the bases in Antarctica was a huge step. And that happened to be in 2021. So you cut them off right there uh, and take away their hidden enclave. 
And you do have a pretty good chance of clearing this planet of these malevolent ETs. And I think that's what was going on down there. In fact, I just came out with my uh, Secrets of Antarctica series on Forbidden Knowledge TV. I invite your listeners to check that out because we definitely go into ET bases and what's below the ice and what's below the water. And it is a part of this planet. I tell you this because I went down there, Patriot unlike any other continental landmass on earth. It is just 99% frozen tundra, no trees, no bushes, no green grass, nothing. It's just ice. And since it's so inhospitable that you really have to have a special kind of person. And so back to cyborgs, it was said that the Germans were working on genetically manipulating some of their soldiers. So these super soldier programs go all the way back and their secret space program is called the Nachtwaffen that the Germans have been developing for decades. And of course, they're going to look for the, the most strategic and advantageous uh, ways that they could fight any kind of kinetic war. So there was the, the stories in uh, Nexus magazine when I first read about it of these half men, half polar almost like uh, crossing a Bigfoot type creature because they're very, very hairy, but they could withstand extreme temperatures. And even during the time of uh, World War II, the British were trying to infiltrate New Schwabenland and were uh, confronted with these super soldier type uh, Antarctic hairy men that hunted them down and killed them all, but not before they were able to call back in and say, yeah, we're being tracked by these things. We're not sure if we're going to make it out of there. And they didn't. So th this has uh, been going on for quite a while, and I would agree with Jim Willie. It is sort of the wild card in this kinetic warfare. Who's going to employ their super soldiers in this fight? And it looks like the in the Ukraine side, they've already uh, employed some of them, and the Russians reported on how they just had this incredible stamina and strength and ability to withstand so many shots uh, being fired at them and withstanding it. So that's kind of what these things are in, in the context of modern warfare. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you know, it, it occurred to me too, as well, that, you know, we're talking about cyborgs here and that's really a whole discussion of it in and of itself. And I won't go too, I won't dig into it any deeper because we're kind of winding things down, but it, you know, it occurred to me that this is perfectly aligned with the whole transhuman agenda. It's perfectly aligned with the yeah. jab. It's perfectly aligned with how they were trying to manipulate and alter our DNA and Kerry Cassidy was actually one of the ones who, you know, kind of pointed this out to me was that the the idea was to create a whole army of whoever didn't actually survive after this whole depopulous world depopulation event where they wanted to get rid of 90 percent of us, that the rest would ultimately become tools of the new world order that we would. Uh, you know, that they were in the process of creating these genetic abnormalities, what they what they view as super soldiers, but ultimately, you know, to go out and to conquer other galaxies. That This was a, a much wider plan than most people even realize. Uh, and they put a stop to it. And certainly you can comment on that if you want. I also think um, I, I so I you mentioned Antarctica and I know that, you know, there, there are very few people who have your level of knowledge because you've been there, you've studied it. Uh, you've written about it you know, and, and on and on. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about, you know, you mentioned Alex Collier. We talked a little bit about this fourth dimensional hole that was kind of broken, like you said, back in 2021. And so is it is it your understanding at this point has because you said that Antarctica was one of the key places that needed to be taken down? Is it your understanding that that's already happened and that's ultimately what what broke 
this fourth dimensional hold and led us up into this point where we are in 2023 or am I misinterpreting them? No, that's it because they had to take out the ways in and out. And also in 2021, there was a huge influx of Germans that were going to the McMurdo base. They just spoke German. They just said, get us on the first plane out of here. So even their, uh, their regular soldiers were defecting and wanting to get out. So they got cut off. That much is well known that those Antarctica bases were neutralized. And as D&D Code pointed out, and you could look at the maps of where those earthquakes were in the years leading up to 2021, and including that year, haven't been any since. But that was the point where they took out the main stronghold. And that's always been rumored to be this reptilian stronghold. In fact, the base in New Schwabenland that the Germans settled in was a donated reptilian base that they were able to uh, repopulate and re-inhabit. And this this is a whole show we could do on Antarctica, Patriot. We, we will. They, uh, we will in a <laughs> We have before, but there's more to it. Mm-hmm. And But that was um, their base of operation for quite a long time. And so when that got cut off, that was a huge victory for humanity once they didn't have their land base that was operating in the same way. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Antarctica is both of the poles are actually wormholes. Northern uh, hemisphere over the North Pole leads to the Vega star system. And the South Pole has a portal out to another location in our universe. So it's it's very important if you're a spacefaring culture to have control of those portal holes. So that's another reason why Antarctica was so instrumental in um, shutting down that traffic. And now if anybody tries to come and go from Earth, Earth has been under quarantine for quite some time, a couple decades, but any craft coming and going are intercepted. And if they are these malevolent ETs, as I said earlier, they're not judging them, they're not putting them to death, they're just sending them away. Just go live a life on another planet with no high-tech tools to come back. And that's how they're giving Earthlings a fair chance at mm. setting our own agenda of, of leading this planet the way we want to lead it, which I think in most people's eyes is a peaceful solution is, is to enter a golden age, a utopian. And it's all with there. Humans are very clever beings. We can figure this stuff out. We don't want to fight. Nobody wants to go to war. Who wants to, to kill people? Nobody. So we can put an end to that. And really with the release, and this is also one of the, tenants of Jasara is the release of high technology that has been sequestered by the cabal that is not being allowed to uh, be used in the mainstream. So for example, just free energy. Look, you could have desalinization plants in all the deserts of the world and turn this planet back into a garden. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be polluted or desertification is, is now sweeping countries that hadn't been desert we can turn we can reverse that with the high technology that we have we could set out bots and boats and clean up the oceans all these gyres of pollution out there it can be done in a in a benevolent way but uh the cabal is holding all this up so they're they're the real roadblock here and once that has been uh dismantled you're going to see a lot of great things happening on this planet as it should Absolutely. Amen, brother. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, As always, I could pick your brain for hours, but we're going to wind it down here. 
Um, tell the folks a little bit about uh, your website. Tell them uh, a little bit about your upcoming schedule, because I know a lot of people out there would be curious what you're up to and how to get uh, copies of your books, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, to follow me and and the different projects I work on, bradolson.com, B-R-A-D-O-L-S-E-N.com. That's where my conference schedule is posted. And for the books that I write and publish other authors, you can go to cccpublishing.com and copy of Beyond Esoteric, Modern Esoteric, Future Esoteric can be purchased off the website and then I can sign copies for people. That's the only way to get a sign copies from cccpublishing.com and check out some of our other authors too. I have the uh, Google Books app on each one of the product pages so you can actually browse the book and read some of the content before you buy it. And uh, that's what I do. That's my biz. All right. Excellent. Well, Brad, it's a pleasure talking to you as always. Like I said, folks, you know, required reading. All right. This is his latest (laughs) one, but go back and read the whole series. I'm telling you, you'll be happy you did, especially if you're kind of newly awakened. I mean, even if you've been around for a while and you know a lot of these things, I mean, this is this is kind of like an encyclopedia. I mean, it's it's just incredible how many things Brad Brad covers. But if you're newer to awakening, you kind of want to go a little bit more in depth or have a, a broader understanding of some of the things that we've talked about tonight. This is a great place to start. So, Brad, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure, my friend. I'm glad that I I did my first uh, interview with with the camera on with you. Uh, it felt really good. Uh, so hopefully folks enjoyed and um, make sure you check out Brad's website. Make sure you check out CCC Publishing. Uh, check out the links in the description as well to support my work. There's a whole link, a uh, bunch of different links in there. It's really important that uh, we have the Patriot community support us in our efforts to try to bring you all of this information. I love each and every one of you out there in the audience. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another report. I'm actually having SG Anon, I think, uh, on Friday. So I'll be back. Hopefully, I'll I'll get another one in between then. But uh, if not, I'll be back soon. Patriot out.